Welcome to the Healthy Works Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Anita Foster and Shane Foster. This mother-son dynamic duo is a force to be reckoned with as leaders with over 30 years of executive experience. This podcast is brought to you by Fostering Healthy Solutions and is designed to offer a safe platform for leaders to share their experiences of diversity, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, and challenged. So get prepared because excellence is coming to you. We are excited today because we will be bringing this incredible conversation titled The People Expert. With us to expound on this topic is one of the most respected leaders in Nashville, none other than the Chief People Officer of Murphy Hoffman Company, Jalita Greenhill. MHC operates across 100 plus locations in 16 states, including dealerships, full service transport, refrigeration locations, full-service leasing and rental operations, and a finance company which offers finance and insurance services. Jalita, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, the first thing we want to do is have you tell us a little bit about who Jalita Greenhill is and how did you become the leader you are today? Wow. Um, so I am a native Nashvillian, so I'll start there for sure. Um, I have, I remember at a very young age where I wanted to develop people, right? I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. I just knew that from the time I was young, I would do school under the steps of the apartment complex we had. So I had about four or five people that I would teach how to do things at around eight or nine years old. Um, that went into the university setting as well as in undergrad where I would try to help people solve problems, get it to it in a different way, just because that's what I like to do. I just naturally gravitated towards encouraging people and helping them achieve. And at the time I didn't understand that that was a gift or that that was something that other people just didn't do. But I started to see as I got older that I could establish trust very quickly with people um, I was sought out for counsel on a myriad of topics, um, and I was empathetic to just about everyone. So I diffused conflict, and it just seemed natural to me. And so as I think about how I evolved into the HR profession, you know, I think about I would befriend the person no one liked. I just looked at it as an opportunity to actually break that person and to be a better person. And um, that's what I do every day is I think about diffusing conflict and empowering people to do and be the best that they can be and show up another day, you know, to fight the fight. So as a child, I, I think just growing up in a lower income area, there were definitely um, challenges stacked against me. I don't think I knew that at the time. And I just always root for the underdogs. I think that's how I've evolved into this whole, if you give people an opportunity and you help give them the, the, the encourage and empowerment, they can be whatever they want to be um, and to go down that path. So I get the opportunity to do that in my profession. That's amazing. That's a, that, that seems to be, a written strip 
for a career. <laughs> that, that's absolutely amazing. And um, uh, kudos to you because a lot of times people don't realize how to follow that dream in such a, a unique a unique way. Uh, so that's wonderful. Uh, tell us a little bit about this position, Chief People Officer, um, because that's a new title for a lot of industries and organizations. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I think you, people would see that as like, well, we're all people, so how can you be the chief of all people? And it's really not designed to be a title that says I'm over everyone. It really is about moving beyond people as human resources for an organization, which we do have human resources. So I lead a team that definitely supports that, but it's really looking at every decision that we're making for now and into the future. How do we prepare the current workforce to be equipped to do what we need them to do today, but also how do we help them evolve for what the future will hold? And it's a balance between that employee advocacy, but then also what's the business's promise to the employee that we said we were going to do when they came in? And are we holding to that? And are we also looking to the future to say, we don't know what it's going to be, but we know we need to, we're seeing gaps and how do we close those right now? So a lot of the work that I do beyond the day-to-day -day of ensuring our employees get paid, ensuring they have benefits, um, ensuring that we are attractive to talent that's interested in coming into our organization, that we can grab them, that they fit. I'm also looking at scanning our marketplace to say, how is our business industry changing? You know, technology creates a whole another element of challenge for us. And so the, the work that we do today will look different in two years. It used to be in 15 years, it would look different, but now you can see a role that you created today, AI and some other technology can come in and wipe that job out. And so our answer isn't to let that person go. Our answer is we see that evolving. We know that you fit our company. How do we train you and give you the right capability so you're ready for that shift when it happens? And so it's very difficult to do, um, not by any means a magician, but at the same time, You've got to be looking at what's going on in the workforce, what is the future of work, um, and how we evolve to make that happen. So that's what I'm charged with doing. Um, and at the conversations at the table with our business leaders about um, what we see the future of our work being. How will we get more, how will we grow more and to sustain our company so we can sustain the workforce and grow it over time. Absolutely. Those things are so critical and important to think about, particularly um, in, in corporate America, which is where you spent the, uh, a large part of your career and working with some major, um, major corporations. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you're seeing um, in corporate America with respect to diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I think... You're right, I've had a, a pleasure of working for some really great companies and have learned a lot from them and have been able to make an impact there. And what I would say, they've been large and typically your large corporate, your large companies, they have pressure from their customer, their vendors, their employees to get with the times and get with diversity and inclusion. So it becomes this 
if you're not doing it, then you're not setting yourself up for that great conversation with someone who's interested in your company. And so because you kind of are in this um, microscope of if you're not doing something, then you must be completely against diversity and inclusion. So companies say, well, I got to jump in and do it because I don't want to appear that we're not sensitive or open to more diverse groups. And so it comes out of that versus a true understanding as to how diversity and inclusion can really impact your organization and help it flourish. And so I think that um, I've been fortunate to work for companies that have been on a journey or were out or completing that journey when I joined to see it happen great and see some obstacles. But I, I think just the sheer size of the organizations that you call corporate can look like small towns, right? And so you look at small towns and they've created government, um, or they created uh, controls and systems to make that work from a government standpoint. You can only imagine how slow that works that you put the same thing in place in a corporation because it's so large, it's gonna be hard to see some of those changes over time. Um, and to be honest, you you have a small window of time to show progress. So I think depending on, I've worked for private companies and I've worked for publicly traded companies as well. And there's still a period of time that you have to show that what you're investing in is going to pay off. And so as you think about the challenges that a corporation would experience is we want to do this. I mean, you have several different options, but I want to do this, but how much time is it going to take to actually turn this? Right. And if I'm a global company, which I've worked for global companies, diversity and inclusion looks extremely different across the globe. You know, in, in some of the European countries, it's related to gender in America. Uh, it's typically tied to race. Um, you're starting to see more into um, differently abled and, and extending it beyond just race or gender, uh, sexual orientation and things of that nature. But depending on your global presence, it, you'll have a different approach to diversity and inclusion. So that's a challenge as well, sitting in the thick of, of that. Um, I would say it's hard to have to adjust to several stakeholders. So if I'm looking at a, my employees, I'm doing all this, the employees wanna have this group or they want us to speak more on this and I do that, my customers may not value that or say they don't wanna see anything around that and the vendors may have an impact around that too. And so managing those and orchestrating a solution that's gonna make everybody happy is extremely difficult. So where do you prioritize? Uh, and say this is where we're gonna hold it down and 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 move forward there. So I think those are some of the challenges that you face in corporations um, that are large for sure, um, because there's a, a great expectation from the community and others that you're gonna lead the way in some of these initiatives as well. Let's stay right there uh, just for a minute with diversity, um, knowing that it covers a multitude of differences. And um, when you were describing uh, some of your work and in your day-to-day -day process and training and forward thinking and connecting employees, if I heard you correctly, and then linking that to business leaders and what one wants versus what one needs, um, 
And very important that I, I think I heard you say is not just terminating employees, but actually training them for the tasks that they've been um, hired to do uh, or making sure they're trainable. Now with that, diversity has to be, people see that differently and it, it doesn't just mean race and color and uh, it, it could just mean knowledge base or uh, industry base or and, and a lot of times that that diversity comes with change and in the midst of COVID and the way that we have to manage life today and organizations trying to come up with new innovative ways to keep employees happy and also customers uh, what do you think as a leader, how will they be able to manage in this diverse world and still make it diverse and do so responsibly? Yeah, I, that's that's a, a conundrum for sure. Uh, but I would I would say that during this time, business leaders are seeing whether they have truly embraced diversity and inclusion. And by that, I mean examples of innovation that are coming in on how we communicate during this time. It goes beyond technology. Like we can put technology, Zoom, and all of these other things in place. But if you have the people around you that have only been in this business or only been in this industry and haven't been exposed to anything else, the ideas of what's possible to get through this are gonna be extremely limited. So if you don't have a broader group of leaders and employees working, your, your ideas for solutions on how to get through this are gonna be a huge challenge. So I think people, I've talked to my peers and they're seeing it as well, that those groups within their organization that are have people who have been with the organization for 20 years and people who have been with the business for 10 months, um, and have lived in other countries or lived in different states or nationally, they are touching their networks to bring in solutions and suggestions that are creating um, win-wins or creating a different way to do something that was probably not necessarily looked at before or appreciated. But now it's like, hey, we're throwing everything at it and whatever's gonna stick, it's gonna stick. So innovation is forced at this point and it's to get through these times. And so you're seeing the diversity of thoughts come in that's coming from many different people. And so I think if they could, if we could embrace that and see what's happened during this time that we were able to bring those different changes in, I do think that that's a window of opportunity to capitalize on now on how did you fare during this time? And where were your solutions coming from? And did you just go back to your old playbook or did you involve some others? And um, your employee base has that for you as well as your network. And if you start to see your network looks like my peers network, then we're just getting the same information and not thinking outside of the box. So I think that's a perfect example for how diversity and inclusion has been beneficial in this whole pandemic you know that we're in right now no one expected this or has lived through this that's currently working but they they have some foundation upon the build to say we know what our vision is we know what we're trying to achieve the way we're going to do it now is just different 
because we have a mission, we've, we've got to, you know, do it differently. So I, I think it's beneficial for us to take a look at, did we have it in-house and did we leverage it in a way that we could have? Take your company to the next level with seamless strategies to improve processes. Our experts have more than 30 years of experience and capabilities to implement structures and manage the organization. Visit us at fosteringhealthysolutions.com for more information. Just want to remind our listeners that the MHC operates across 100 plus locations in 16 states, including dealerships, full service transport, refrigeration locations, full service leasing and rental operations, and a finance company which offers finance and insurance services. Jalita Greenhill is our guest today, and thank you again for being with us. Um, I want to go back to something you were saying before about the reasons why um, many corporations are diving into diversity and inclusion now, and specifically ask the question, what are some of the myths that you're seeing as it relates to diversity and inclusion, and how can we combat those? Mm. Yeah, I think there are some myths of, because I have the infrastructure, we must be doing something well, and that we're focused on it. So infrastructure, by that I mean I have a diversity steering committee, I have employee resource groups or affinity groups, I sponsor these particular events, I have speakers that come in, like all those different pieces that line up, which are not bad, um, but they are listed as best practices and, and everybody wants to kind of achieve that same type of, aha, uh -huh. so we've done all these and so we're, we're capitalizing on our diversity and inclusion. When, if you look at engagement surveys, you've probably not seen it. If you sat in a meeting, could you tell that the only person that was talking was the person who's been there the longest, who's been, like you can start to see some behavioral uh, data that doesn't line up with some of the outward actions that are happening. So I think there's a myth that if a company has all that in place, that they must be diverse. And so, um, and that they are achieving the benefits of diversity and inclusion in the organization. So I think that's, that's one. I would also say, as you think about um, another myth is you can't measure diversity and inclusion. I mean, you can't measure um, the benefits of it. You know, people give you these statistics that you're, if you manage your peers, if you look at your peer group, their performance is this versus or a non you know a non-diverse group does this i think each data point separate doesn't help the conversation i think it's all together and you can measure it it depends on what you want success to look like for you your successful journey is you know any as a company may not be to have 30% female on your board it may not be to have um, X percentage of people promoted within the organization so there's representation. You, what is the business need you're trying to solve? It could be to the initial question around um, innovation. So in order for us to innovate more, because we're running out of ideas or we're not really 
finding solutions that are beneficial to our customer base. That's why we need to focus on it. And this is what it will look like for us. But I think we're, what we're seeing this myth of, if I follow these certain criteria or suggestions, I am going to have those types of benefits that are being told to me. So I do think that you can measure it. We have to be clear on and line up with what you're trying to measure um, to move forward. And I do think there's also this myth that it's too soft and, you know, people should just come in, get along. I just want the best person um, for the job. And so the best person is who I hire, not looking at anything else other than that. And, um, and my response has always been to that is how do you know you have the best person if you're, if your selection criteria or your pool doesn't have everybody in it, right? And, and everybody means I I could have uh, someone of different sexual orientation, race, age, um, ethnicity, differently abled, and they all came from my undergrad university. That's still not extreme, extremely diverse. Um, or they all came from my neighborhood. And they all came from, you know, my fraternity or sorority. So you still have some of these um, these myths that we are diverse, or that we don't necessarily need to be looking for diversity because I just need somebody. I need diversity of thought. Okay. Well, so diversity of thought. How how does that look? And 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 what does that really mean? And so I I do think. Those are some of the myths I would say that I've I've seen in my career and talking to my peers. Many people, especially organizations and even leaders that are not really in tune to what diversity and inclusion means, they think that meeting the quota is enough. And you bring bring that to the forefront by saying just that, that because I hired all of these people from the same group in the same area that now I'm diverse because I've got male, I've got female, I've got black, I've got white, and they don't realize that that does not end your diversity. That's not enough that you are required to hire one female. So you do that, or you're required to have hire one female and two black. So you hire a black male and one black female. So now I've covered it in two people with three different criteria here. So if there was one thing you could change about corporate culture, what would it be? <laughs> corporate culture? Um, I agree with you just even on that statement that just, you know, they talk about studies of you know, you really need three of that to really make a change. I do think that we have in the past been so focused on being polished in our communications and making sure that we're overly um, conservative in what we say and not wanting to offend anyone and not really being our true authentic selves because of backlash. And I can't say I disagree with why people may feel that way. I think in corporate America, we have got to do a better job of 
helping people bring their whole selves to work. And I don't just mean I come in day one and I'm telling you everything that I feel that we should change about the company, who I am. You don't represent me. I'm not saying that at all, but we don't do enough about really getting to the root of knowing people. Like people change as they get to know other people. I can guarantee you that in jobs I've worked in and in a very good company that had great diversity measures. And I would say they did have done a great job and continue to do so. In some of the scenarios, I was probably the only black female that they knew. And that says a lot. So if I'm the only, the first black person that you've kind of gone to lunch with, or you've had conversations about your favorite movie with, it's, it makes somebody human to what myths they may have thought about somebody, right? Or, um, and if we can't speak authentic, authentically with one another and know every, their story, then you're not necessarily gonna advocate for that person or um, those who may be in that particular group because you don't know them and you only know what you've heard. And so I think having an opportunity to get those barriers down where people get to know each other for who they are, regardless of, you know, like what you look like, you know, your differences. I do think that that's an opportunity for us that that will start, that will make it more authentic in the journey around diversity and inclusion, because you're just truly trying to understand people more. So when I say the polished of communications, it's really being empathetic to someone else, not sympathetic, not, looking at them and being sorry for them, but it's a, I can walk in your shoes and understand what you're saying to me and I respect it because I know you and I'm coming to you to really get your point of view. And it probably has nothing to do with me being a black female, right? It just because you know me and you've had a chance to do that. And so I, I do think around the corporate, corporate culture of knocking down some walls of just that you have to be formal and you have to say the right things at all given times and it should just be strictly business. People won't come to work and give their best if they are just business. It just don't. People are leaving companies because they don't feel an attachment to others or they don't feel like they are valued for what they bring. And there's gotta be an outlet and only people will stay, but your good people will go to where they feel like they have a connection with someone else. So I do think working on our communication and being more authentic in our selves will help us in our, in our corporate organizations. Wow, such such great information and, and wisdom from your great wealth of experiences. Um, we know that as responsible professionals doing this work, that representation is not the end goal, that it extends to inclusivity. <clears throat> what is often missing from this dialogue is the challenges that minorities face when they're the only woman or the only male, or the only person of color at a particular table. What are some of the challenges that you faced as you've continued to climb the corporate ladder in your career and how have you overcome them? Uh, I think part of the challenges that I experienced, I mean, just from 
the time I went into corporate American internship at 17 to where I am today is I was typically in male dominated industries. Um, typically the only female or limited number of females. Um, also young at the time. So, you know, coming in 17, working with people who are a lot older than me. So younger and I'm African-American and I'm a female. And the stereotypes as you've gone through that over, you know, 20 years, the stereotypes have changed slightly about what a black young female is. Um, but they've pretty stayed clear of, you know, if I give a look, it looks as though I'm mad at the world when I'm actually just contemplating what you just said. And so what that challenge has presented for me is I didn't soften anything. For me, it's really getting to know people before I go into a room with them. Uh, so they have respect and, and, and credibility for what, if, if I can, if I can't do that, um, in the room, I will still stand up for the statements that I'm making. Um, if I feel like I've been overtalked, I'm going to call that behavior. So that's happened over time. That didn't start there. But um, I was, I've had to do that. I've had to get thicker skin. And I watch other people in the room that, that um, if I'm just speaking from a gender perspective, um, how they were able to get their points across and I never looked at it as um, they're not listening to me because I'm different. I looked at it as this is how decisions are made. How do I need to adjust my communication style for that? Me adjusting and I think what we're seeing now is that companies are trying to adjust to the employee versus having to go the other way. Um, I also would say the hardest thing to deal with is you're, if I'm the only one in the room that is of, of difference on the outside, let's just say just physically, I feel like there are times where questions are asked of me to represent one, two, or all three of the differences that you see externally. And my, my opinion is my opinion. And yes, it's grounded in my upbringing, my um, cultural experiences and traditions and life experiences in general, but they're my opinions. And so you can't say because you know Jalita Greenhill and she said this, that that's what all black America believes or that's what all females believe or black females believe. Like you gotta do some more digging to get another perspective because I know affluence and I also know poverty. I've also gone to public schools. I've gone to private schools. And so there are different perspectives that I bring, but I can't represent all of those. And so for me, what's always been interesting is that I'm never, when I make a statement, it's not because I went to, that's what a Vanderbilt person would say, or that's what a University of Tennessee person would say, or that's what a dancer would do, because all those things I've done, you wouldn't know that though, but you know that my outward appearance is different. And so because of that, you're asking for my opinion to represent those because I'm the only person you know that fits that. And so for me, my goal has always been to not force the conversation with people, but make it an environment that's welcoming that they would want to ask the question um, that they may be thinking that opens them up to be more comfortable to ask someone else um, when I'm not there.
And um, the last thing I would say on this question is, it's not been a challenge for me to get sponsors and mentors in corporate America. I learned very early on to ask for the help and to you know be uh, to initiate that. But I think it's, it's a part of sponsorship and um, more so than mentorship, but sponsoring someone, unless you know them and can speak to who they are, you can't advocate for them when they're not there. And that's more important than anything. I didn't get here because I just worked hard. I didn't get here because uh, I knew somebody. Like it's all into one where God, by the grace of God, in many occasions, I was in the right place at the right time, but somebody advocated for me when I was not even there. And I don't know that I would have known that person or, um, or known that that would have been the case. But as I've learned over time, that really is important um, for someone to be speaking on your behalf because you're not going to be in those rooms early in your career, middle of the career. You're not in those rooms making those decisions. but because somebody of power is in that position and they trust and value it, they can speak on your behalf when that comes up. And so those are the ones I would say that as I have gone through my career, that's been helpful for me, but also has been a challenge um, as well. And it's helped me pass it on to those coming up behind me, which is extremely important to me. Um, that they do even better than I did at an earlier age, and they help other people too. The work of diversity and inclusion is not just the right thing to do. It's what's best for business. That's why Fostering Healthy Solutions was created to help you achieve results. Whether there's a lack of diversity, difficult questions about gender, or unconscious bias, nothing should stand in the way of your business achieving excellence. Visit www.fosteringhealthysolutions.com to book your free consultation today. It's time to cultivate diversity issues with excellence. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Healthy Works Podcast. Today, our guest is the people expert, Jalita Greenhill from Nashville, Tennessee. Jalita, you are the people expert <laughs> and a wealth of information you have provided for us today. It has been nothing but a joy and a blessing to uh, be in your midst and to have you in ours. I am graciously humbled. Uh, with your presence today, and we appreciate it. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you, any final thoughts that you may want mm -hmm. to share with us? Um, let me give you the last say-so, my people expert. <laughs> well, that is overwhelming for sure, but thank you very much. I mean, I first of all, I just want to say thank you for what you all are doing. This is wonderful. I'm looking forward to continuing to stay in tuned and on the other topics because these conversations and, you know, what you're standing for about fostering this healthy, you know, environment is extremely important. So thank you for that. Um, I would say as, as far as you can reach me, I'm on LinkedIn. I have that updated. That's pretty much where you can find me. Um, 
an MHC, so it stands for Murphy Hoffman Company, if, if you're interested, and um, wonderful company, still family owned, and um, we're, we're working to keep America working. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we, we service trucks and trucks on the road, and I've, I've, I'm very fortunate to work for a company that has a mission to allow people to actually have a career there and grow up in that company. And um, so I'm, thought, I'm thankful for that. And just last part of words I would say is you own your career, period. So when you say people expert, it really is about empowering yourself, asking for help and being humble enough to accept the feedback and the recommendations to adjust and move forward. It will take you so far and um if there's any t anything that i could do uh you want any feedback or um my insight or advice i'm more than happy to do that i do that on a regular basis just because i i love that um to see that transformation in people so continue to stay strong and positive and um take your career and own it Thank you so much, Delita. We are so blessed to have you. I just want to reiterate everything Dr. Foster said. It is such a blessing to, to have you as our guest today. And thank you again for sharing your wisdom. Okay. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast please subscribe at www.fosteringhealthysolutions.com. We also want you to follow us on Instagram at Fostering Healthy Solutions. We look forward to connecting with you.